Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 55. Today, we are talking all about submissions, the top five submissions that you must know as a white belt to succeed. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's lots, but I think we've narrowed it down to five, what I think are five crucial submissions that every white belt should know and have a good understanding of. And we're going to go over what they are and why, more importantly, why. It's all about the why. Yeah. Why they're the the important submissions. And hopefully we're going to take a little trip down a, a different path we haven't really explored before on the show and try to explain a little bit of technique via the powers of audio. But we shall see how that turns out. Yeah, I think we're the, we're going to essentially just pop a tab of acid mm. each and uh, just go for it. Yeah, yeah. You've been <laughs> listening to Joe Rogan. I knew it. I knew you would come around. Yeah, but just for a bit of housekeeping, if this is your first episode, welcome to the podcast. I am Kieran Lefebvre. I am a blue belt under the great and powerful Adam Childs, who's sitting across from me, a black belt, owner, operator of Alliance Sydney Jiu-Jitsu. That's right. That's me. Uh, yeah, if it is your first episode, thanks for, for tuning in. Uh, you know, feel free to follow our Instagram, be a Patreon. That's always cool. Yes. But, uh, Speaking of. Yeah. Little segue. Karen, segue. We got some news going on before we jump into the episode. We do. We do. Big announcement on episode 55 here today. You're hearing it first. We have a competition, our very first competition at the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. You can win a very exclusive limited edition Beyond Jiu-Jitsu rash guard look at you hyping it up bro. oh look yeah <laughs> so adam adam through a company called vantage a new gi and rash guard jiu-jitsu apparel company we've partnered up with vantage and we have created a beyond jiu-jitsu podcast rash guard so you can get your hands on your very own obviously it's uh made to order so it will be size dependent specifically on your size uh, so if you want to win this rash guard, well, first of all, if you want to see what it looks like, check our Instagram. It's on Instagram. If you want to win one, uh, this is how you do it. So you get one entry into the competition. If you are following us, you have to be following us on Instagram. That's a that's a given. Uh, we will be checking. Haha. <laughs> you have to be following us on Instagram and you have to leave us a review on your streaming platform of choice, uh, pr- preferably uh, Apple Podcasts, but whatever streaming platform you'd like, leave us a review. I know Spotify does star rating, so chuck us a star rating anyway and a follow because you know we love you. But leave us a review. That's how we'll be tracking the entries. And uh, yeah, you have to be following us on Instagram. That's at Beyond Jiu Jitsu underscore podcast. And if you want 10 entries into the competition, 10 entries, Adam. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. How do I tell me more, Kerry? <laughs> <laughs> if you want these exclusive 10 entries, then become a Patreon. To do so, you can find our Patreon page. Link is in our Instagram bio. Just go to our Instagram at Beyond Jiu Jitsu underscore podcast and check it out. And for our patrons out there that are already patrons before this, of course, you get 10 entries. We're not going to leave you out. We're not going to do that to you. So, and, it, and if you, if that all sounds like too much effort, you can just buy one. Yeah, you can also <laughs> buy one. <laughs> you can buy one. But if you want to win one, it's yeah. free. You know, oh. free stuff's way better. It's yeah. like when someone makes you a sandwich and it tastes way better than when you make the sandwich. Yeah, Some, exactly. You know, like, or whatever. Someone makes you a, a smoothie and mm. it always tastes better when someone else makes it. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so totally if, agree. If you want a free rashi, that's yeah. how you do it. Uh, if you want to buy one, you can just uh, send us a message on Instagram or whatever and, and we can swing one your way. And finally, just to wrap up the announcements, and I promise we'll get straight into the, the meat of this episode, is we have a Q&A episode fast approaching. If for our longtime listeners, you'll know that every 10 episodes we do a Q&A Ask a Black Belt it's fast approaching. So please get your questions in. We now have audio questions available. Again, that is that is in our uh, bio on Instagram. If you go to our link tree, it's the first link. Submit a question via audio format to hear your voice on the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. So Adam, without further ado, please tell me about the five submissions that I should have known as a white belt. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I taught them to you. Um, I don't or, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, go watch this YouTube video, Kieran. Set yeah, yourself maybe. out. Um, yeah, so obviously there's some are going to kind of seem quite obvious and straightforward, but uh, I more importantly want to talk about why I think they're they're important. And you know, if you're a higher belt listening and you're already thinking, well, I don't need to know this. I'm a purple belt already. Uh, I think it's coming from an instructor's mindset. It's really important to understand why these submissions are important to understand. So the first one, and I'm not, these aren't in order, right? So I'm not saying like, this is the first submission you could learn. You should learn. These are just five important submissions to learn. Right. And so the first one I'm going to put is your, your trusty straight foot lock. Nice. You don't know what that is. Do you? I literally can see the play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. So uh, straight foot lock. Right? Why do I think that's super important? Because it it's probably not necessarily something that you might think is a crucial technique for a white belt. It's definitely not in what you're going to see in your kind of run-of-the-mill beginner's jiu-jitsu course or something like that. But why do I think a straight foot lock is super important? <clears throat> well, firstly, it's the only leg lock you can do at white belt in terms of standard rules, right? So you've got, when you've got your leg locks, you've got your straight foot locks, your toe holds, your knee bars and your heel hooks, right? And there's, you know, other ones like a steamer locks and, but they're all, you know, Z locks, but they're all, you know. Variants of those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So straight foot lock is the only one you can do at white belt in terms of regular rule sets. Okay. So it's the first introduction into understanding how the breaking mechanics work of the ankle and the knee. And a straight footlock on its own, you know, it maybe sort of eight years ago or whatever, it was written off. You know, no one really did it. You know, it was seen as kind of like, oh, it doesn't really work that well. And then it sort of got more popular with the Kyoterra footlock, which is the the straight footlock that Kyoterra does from uh, from De La Hiva, which is I actually have a lot of difficulty doing it. It's quite a uh, quite a hard footlock to lock in, but if you're good at it, like, you know, Mikey Musameshi also does it really well being. How does it work? What are the mechanics of it? So, so you're so, in Delaheva on the bottom. Yeah. So essentially what you, what you'll find difficult about it, if you try to attempt one without being shown how to do it properly is a regular straight footlock. You've got their, their foot up under your armpit, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, your legs are on the other side of their leg, like you're in single X, yes. right? Yep. Whereas with De La Hiva, their leg or their shin rather is on the far side of your hamstring. So it's like, well, how can I have their shin 
on the far side of my leg. So how can I have my hamstring on their shin, but also have their foot in my armpit? You can see it's like, it, it can be, if you don't know how to do it, like you have to kind of like crunch into your side yep. to be able to swim your hand through. You don't necessarily- Is it the like, same action? I know there's a lot of uh, sweeps from Delaheva. I think there's a tripod sweep from there as well that you showed recently where you have like that crunching action. Say if I, if I have Delaheva yeah, with my left could, leg. Well, yeah, you kind of have to do that crunch, yep. right? to get to the position, yep. but then you come back and the mechanics of how it works, when you like then put that Delaheva hook back in, mm. that massively hyperextends the, the, the ankle and the knee. Right, so right? you take the hook out, crunch to catch into your armpit, come yeah. back to square, yeah. square up with your opponent and then put the hook back in. Yeah, and wow, then your okay. other Delaheva leg is like um, either making an X or pushing their far leg away. Right. Uh, Kyo I mean, it's his footlock. Uh, but in jiu-jitsu, people have such like a short memory. All of a sudden, some up-and-coming brown belt does it and people name it after him. It's like, well, Kaio was doing it a decade ago. Anyway, uh, but it's that first introduction to understanding how, how legs work. And yeah, straight footlocks themselves are super variable. They've got three braking mechanics, mainly being hyperextension, rotation, and uh, like rotation like a toe hold. And you can rotate it also in the manner of a heel hook, like an Aoki lock, okay, which is a variation of a straight foot lock. So a straight foot lock in itself is really dynamic and, uh, you know, really technical. I think Mikey Musumeshi has one of the, the record for one of the fastest submissions in a black belt final at Worlds with a straight footlock, wow. you know? So, I mean, it's a world championship winning submission, okay? Uh, I think for for the reason that people would say, like, it, quote, doesn't work is when a straight footlock is applied uh, not quite correct, we'll say, but it's enough to be uncomfortable. You can just grit through the pain. You're like, that hurts, but my foot isn't going to break. Yeah. However, when it's applied correctly, your foot will break. Yeah. And I think that is the distinction. Because if you kind of fuck up a rear naked choke, it's just not on, right? It's not It's not really painful. You're just yeah, you're doing the submission wrong. It's obvious they're doing it wrong. But if you fuck up a straight foot lock, yeah, you can still hurt the person. Yeah. You can just grit through it. And yeah. I do that regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when they're done incorrectly, they just kind of, you know, oh, that hurts my shin or yes. something. Oh, I'll tap because I'm in training and it's uncomfortable, but, you know, I yeah. wouldn't actually tap. But, yeah, it's just when they're done incorrectly. There's lots of positions like that. You know, another uh, – actually a really common one is when people can't do north-south chokes correctly, which are a very nuanced choke. You like know? a ninja choke? No, 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 like the um, – Oh, the like, one with your lat. That's yeah, right. Got yeah, you, yeah. Got like you. Marcelo Garcia is the most famous for it. Right. It's the one that, God, how many times can I say Mikey Musumeshi <laughs> at the start of this episode? It's the one that, uh, God, what's his name? I forgot. the. I think it was the, the Cicero Costa guy submitted Mikey on two who's number ones ago with a north-south choke. Right. Uh, yeah, and, you know, people end up just neck cranking it you know, that's not how it works, right? So people will tap in training being like, that sucks, but it was not choking me at all. It's just because I don't know how to do it properly. Uh, but yeah, the, the other reason I think straight foot locks are super important to learn as a white belt is, you know, you just can't deny the evolution of the leg lock game. And let's say you got into jujitsu because you're a whatever, a 
you know, a Craig Jones fanboy or whatever it is, and you got into jujitsu because of that whole no-gi leg lock game, well, man, I wouldn't want a white belt going anywhere near, a, you know, heel hooking me <laughs> if they didn't even understand like what a straight foot lock is. You know, we often take for granted when the higher up you get in jujitsu, not not the higher up, but like the more you know, I guess I should say, we take for granted how little beginners know you know, like a very obvious one is, you know, sometimes you get a brand new person come in and you're like, oh, when was the last time you did a, f- a forward roll? You know, like when you forward roll like a kid and they're like, oh God, like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, like, so things that we do and understand, we take for granted that beginners don't. So uh, a straight footlock is a good first introduction into understanding a bit about how the legs work, you know, and that's also just a, a safety thing, you know, i if I've got a white belt who understands a bit about straight footlocks, I'm going to feel safer with them, you know, holding onto my leg than someone who understands nothing. Right. Absolutely. They're also just like a boss, like submission. If you get good at the man, I think I, I really like straight footlocks. Yeah. We have a, um, a four stripe white belt at the gym who is uh, a smaller guy compared to some of us bigger boys. Um, and he is a weapon at straight footlocks. If you let him, talking about? you let him get your ankle, you are fucked, Nicholas. Nicholas oh yeah, has he does. A yeah, mean. He he tapped me uh, with his straight footlock uh, fairly recently. It was like two weeks ago. I sort of let him. I was playing. Uh, we were playing legs, and I was like, oh fuck it, I'll play legs with with Nicholas. And I let him get my um my foot because I was like, yeah, you know what, I can just stand up. And man, he had it so tight. He ended up going belly down and just cranked it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nicholas is a little weapon, bro. He's so quiet and unassuming. Yeah. Does like a really good, um, you know, he's like really good at the whole like um the, um the plata, rado mm. plata, takio plata sort of position as well. Mm. Yeah, a little quiet, unassuming dude who says nothing, but then like smashes you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now I do want to mention with the straight footlock, particularly that or would you say traditional entry for single leg X? Would you consider single leg X a traditional entry into straight for lock perhaps? Um, or yeah, just a very, I mean, a yeah. common entry maybe? Yeah, Better common, wording. yeah. So we did have someone at our gym, not going to name names, they um, hit an awesome single leg X entry uh, in their one of their first comps uh, at white belt, the now blue belt, um, into a straight foot lock, but they reaped the, the knee. So you got to be very yeah. careful not to let your foot cross that midline. That's right. Yeah. So again, it's another reason why I think it's a good submission to learn because it's going to part of teaching the submission. You're probably also going to be teaching some variant of single leg X or X guard or whatever. And then that's going to go into, again, it depends on the rule set of the competition you're in, but it's going to bleed into explaining reaping and crossing the knee line and all that sort of stuff. So it's just, the position itself of a straight footlock single leg X position is just, I think, a crucial position. It's like the evolution of the sport, right? You know, I always say to when I'm teaching new people, you get someone who can't even do a forward roll and then you're having to teach them how to invert. And, you know, you go, okay, well, you know, the sport's grown. I'm not saying inverting's easy, mm. but it's considered basic nowadays, yeah. you know? Yeah. So uh, with the evolution of leg locks and leg entanglements and stuff, you want to be as a white belt, at least I'm not saying you want to need to become a straight footlock master, but understand the position and the mechanics of it. And the concepts surrounding it. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on to the next submission, I did want to mention something that I saw on, I think it was Instagram or Reddit this morning. And it's 
to do with straight footlocks. So I believe it was in an MMA match. I think the um, organization was Cage Warriors. And there was this guy who was going for a omoplata. And the opponent, instead of like trying to fight the omoplata, sat in the omoplata, grabbed their ankle around the back of their neck and pulled down for like a, a, yeah. a straight full look that way. Yeah, so that's like actually considered a toe hold. Oh, yeah, right. There so you, go. you can, um, I don't know. I mean, I've had it done to me when I was a, a blue belt or whatever, rolling against a black belt. So I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. If anyone listening knows, feel free to, to correct me, but I don't know if it's ever been like done at a, at a high level, yeah, you know, but I've definitely seen that where you umnaplata someone and then that that leg, they kind of leverage it over the back of their own head and they yes. just crank down. Exactly. I think it's definitely a bit of a strong man move, you right. know, because think I can roll with someone like our, like our good friend Joey, mm. who's very strong and mobile and I can have two hands on a toe hold with him and it can be very difficult to get the torque needed, you know, because he's very strong at, you know, in his in all his joints. Mm. So to think I'm going to do that with one hand over the back of my head Whilst while I'm also in an omoplata, like yeah. I don't know. Like I said, if if anyone listening is like, no, 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 I saw that at Worlds. You know, at black belt. Feel free to. Yeah, I want to see it. If you have but, seen uh, that sub at Worlds, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. Hit that, us up. That, that that I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he was he. It, it looked like I thought it was a video on someone hitting an omoplata, right? And I'm like, oh, this is sick. And then all of a sudden he's tapping. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, quite funny. Hilarious. So what's uh what's the second submission? Second submission is a bit more traditional in the sense that I think a, a, a triangle is a is a very important submission. Uh, but for maybe not the reasons that you're thinking, right? So one, because it's kind of that introduction to choking someone with your legs, right? Which uh out, again, we take for granted as people who have got jujitsu experience. It's just like, well, yeah, of course you choke people with your legs, but you know, that uh, is a foreign concept to it, it is, someone right? else. That doesn't well, train. even using your legs as a weapon is yeah. a foreign concept. You yeah, know? outside of just like kicking. Yeah, yeah, like we. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like we. A good way to get through to people about that when they're beginners is you say when you're trying to explain to them what your guard is. Mm. You know, you reference boxing because even if they haven't done boxing, like. They, they understand the idea of like you put your hands up in front of your face to guard your face. Your mm. arms are your guard in boxing. It's mm. like, well, in jiu-jitsu, we're on our back, so our legs are our guard. Mm. You know, that's what's keeping us safe. Uh, so it's that sort of – why were you no, – I was just thinking. I, I just had a thought that, fuck, man, I'd really rather my legs protecting me than my arms. If you oh, know yeah, I mean. no doubt. Like – it's, it's interesting how much T-Rex my, arms they're yeah. not going to do shit. <laughs> oh, my fat little potato biceps and big ass legs. Yeah, I was just thinking oh, how much. Oh, biceps. Look yeah. at <laughs> That shit's leaking. But yeah, you're so right. We take for granted as jiu-jitsu practitioners, we take for granted like, well, I'm, I was just having a quiet little reflection how much my thought process has changed over self-defense over like the last 18 months. Like, yeah, if 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 I'm in that situation, I'd way rather have my legs in front of me than my, you know, just my arms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it it's a given, but it's not intuitive. No, it's so that's, not at all. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Was, you just made me like think of when you said self-defense. We did way back in the earlier episodes, uh, does jujitsu work for self-defense? Mm. That's how to my memory was just flooded with all people talking about how crap jujitsu is for self-defense. Yeah. And then I feel like I got 
Well, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson used jujitsu for self-defense recently. Did you see that? Oh, I saw that. See that? Someone posted it. Oh my it. God. What? It's all over the internet at the moment. Like, uh, you know, the Gracie's were on Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Michael, the Michael yeah, Jackson Michael, impersonator. Yes. Michael yeah, yeah, Jackson yeah. impersonator gets like uh, attacked by some crazy drunk man and he's using jujitsu. Yeah, legit. So good. So good. <laughs> if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen it, just Google it. It's worth a watch. It's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I think- one of the great Henzo Gracie did a very funny um, like commentary on it uh, oh, for he? for Gracie Academy, and he, he he leveraged it into an advertisement for Gracie Academy, but it was well done. Yeah, Normally, right. I don't like his stuff, like because it's a bit you know cringe, but it was pretty funny. So watch that version. <laughs> anyway, back to triangles, right? So you're gonna start to learn you know a bit more how to use your legs and and how to choke with your legs, but kind of more importantly why I think it's a crucial submission is when we think of a, a triangle choke, we obviously think of the, the standard one with your legs, but the mechanics of a triangle choke are the same for a triangle with your legs, an arm triangle, a DAS choke, an anaconda choke, right? These are all the same mechanics in terms of, of what forces the person to tap, okay? And if anyone doesn't know, all types of triangle chokes work by having one of your body parts cutting off one side of their neck, so one carotid artery, and, their own, and your opponent's own shoulder being pushed into their neck to block off the other carotid artery. So a regular triangle choke with your legs it's your leg, right? Or the combination of all your legs and your abs and everything. But like your hamstring is typically going across one carotid artery, their own shoulder is, is on the other side. Uh, a, a DAS choke, it's their own shoulder and your bicep and forearm, you know, anaconda is similar, but just the other way around. An arm triangle, same thing. It's with my arm. So their own shoulder getting pushed into their neck and my, my bicep on the other side of their neck. So it's also, it's not even so much about the triangle choke itself with your legs, but it's also just, if it's taught properly, understanding the mechanics of how a triangle choke works is that's going to trickle down into then when you're learning how to do a DAS choke or an arm triangle or an anaconda, yeah. right? So it's super important to understand how triangle chokes work, okay? When you're teaching one with, your, with the legs, I always say, you know, like beginners are taught like, oh, it's either both arms in or both arms out. Because getting stuck in triangles is, uh, it's almost like a rite of passage for it beginners. Yep. Okay. It just, it, it happens yep. all the time. So it, easy. You know, some people uh, break the habit quicker than others. Also depends what they're, what kind of style of passing they yeah. lean towards. But, but it's but, understandable, particularly when, you, if you have like a first or second time person training jujitsu in your close guard and what they want to do is naturally put their arms out. Triangle yeah. City, easy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you're often taught like, oh, if there's one arm in, one arm out, you'll get triangled. We know that's not the case because you've got passes like over under passes and whatever where yeah. it's one arm in, one arm out. Yeah. But, you know, when people are doing a triangle with their legs, I always say to them, you want their arm and their head, right? You don't want their shoulder. It's not their arm, shoulder and head. It's their mm. arm and their head. Mm. If you have their arm shoulder and head like their shoulders inside the triangle choke that means it's not being pushed into their neck right so you don't want the shoulder 
You want mm. that's that's why often when again when beginners will get caught in a triangle choke, they'll try pull themselves out and they'll actually yeah. just pull their own shoulder out, making it tighter. Yeah, you want to drive into it if anything. <laughs> typically, yeah. yeah, like you know, it's all it's a bit more dynamic than that. But yeah, yeah. typically it's it's a bit counterintuitive. You want to push yourself further into the triangle exactly. to get out of it. So, I believe it's a really important. Uh, technique to understand because yeah you, you know if we're talking a traditional triangle from close guard you're starting to learn the concept of choking with your legs but also the mechanics of a triangle is going to then help you better apply all the other variations of triangle chokes and obviously i i suppose it goes without saying but i'm going to say it anyway understanding that mechanic those mechanics and the submission itself will help you understand how to defend when you are in a triangle because just thinking to whenever I'm defending from a triangle, if I have my shoulder, if, if they don't, um, if they haven't isolated my arm, i.e. my shoulder is in the in the choke, then I know I'm not going to get submitted. Yeah. Like they, they just can't submit me. So then I'm able to, with that knowledge, even though it's, you know, pressure on my neck, I'm uncomfortable, I'm, I may have restricted breathing, I can still breathe. Yeah. It's not cutting off the blood to my brain and I'm able to fight out that submission. I can sit there all day, really. So I've seen you sit all day in triangles. Now, now. <laughs> At least I get out. <laughs> but I um, I haven't been triangled in a long time ever yeah. since. And now this, you know, you're probably going to put me in a triangle the first time we roll now, now that I've said that. because <laughs> so that's the first thing that went through my mind. Generally what you do, anytime <laughs> I say something like that, you're like, oh, we'll see. But with someone, you know, purple button under, I haven't ever since I uh, was absolutely smashed in a triangle in uh, one of my comps, I think my third ever comp, it's on YouTube. You want to see me in a fucking long ass triangle. I was in a triangle for like nearly two minutes and man, it just rocked me. Ever since then, I went on like a personal, you know, journey, almost like a truth journey to mm. not be submitted by triangles. So particularly my my passing style over under, it, it used to happen a lot. Yeah, it still happens. I get put in them, but fuck man, good luck finishing it. I'm going to make you like really fight for it. Yeah. Um, and I think another key concept obviously is not letting your arm cross their body. Like don't let your arm cross their center line because that's, you know. It's going to make it rough. Like that's what, oh, yeah. one of the things that helps push the shoulder into the neck. Exactly. So it's like if you have a triangle in someone and you're unable to isolate that shoulder, if you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, how do I do it? A good tip there is if you uh, bridge up as in hip up, and then slide their arm across. That will help you get your foot that's behind their neck more parallel and, or sorry, more perpendicular to them and isolate the shoulder. Look at you go. Boom. Look at you teaching Mate, triangles, I'm a blue belt. Bro. I'm allowed to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm allowed to talk now. I'm allowed to say shit. <laughs> uh, All right, next one is, so we've done straight foot locks, triangles. Next one again, a bit more. Um, the, the rest of these on the list are, a bit more what you would expect. So is is just your armbar, right? Why is an armbar important to learn? Well, it's just important. To, it helps you in understanding leverage, essentially. And I should have actually said this before triangle because it connects a bit better to uh, the whole straight footlock slash leg entanglement aspect is, you know, the leg – mechanics are very similar to the arm mechanics, you know, like the way the elbow works is very similar to the way the, the knee works. Right. And when you learn an arm bar correctly, you know, you learn about having to control the wrist or, or the thumb, if you will, because the, the orientation of the wrist dictates 
which way the elbow bends and doesn't bend. And so it's the same with legs and your foot in relation to your knee. The direction that your, your foot is pointing indicates which direction your knee bends, right? Like your, your knee always bends with your heel towards your butt. And course, yeah. It never bends with your heel towards, you know, your groin. Okay? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, or towards your belly or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, and so it's, the, the, it's very similar with the, with the arm and the orientation of the thumb. So understanding an armbar, more importantly, you're learning it's a very, very great way to start to understand leverage right, in jiu-jitsu. But it's also going to – like even blue purple belts, I find it mind-boggling that sometimes I have to explain to them that like, no, man, like if the thumb's pointing that way – the elbow bends that way. Like, how don't you know that, right? Like, give me that purple belt back. You know? <laughs> like, so it's really important to understand leverage and, yeah, the braking mechanics of an armbar. That's going to – understanding that is going to translate to then when you're – when you are getting a bit more experienced and learning, you know, uh, whatever, heel hooks, toe holds, knee bars, that's going to translate to understanding the braking mechanics of the leg as well. They're very, very similar in, in the way that they work. So not only is it just a great submission anyway and a very obvious submission, one, typically one of the first submissions that, that white belts learn. So I, I think it's no surprise to anyone. But, yeah, the reason I think it's important is to understand the, the braking mechanics of, of the joint and the orientation between the wrist or if it's the leg, the orientation between the foot and the knee, mm. you know, because I always have to explain that to people all the time, you know, that and that's why, you know, one of the, f not flashier, but one of the coolest armbar escapes is the hitchhiker escape. You know, it is a great armbar escape. It looks super cool. Like, um, but the problem with the hitchhiker escape is it requires your opponent to not really have control of of your your wrist or your thumb. Mm. Thumb. I keep saying thumb. It's important to note if, if you're not aware, you're not allowed to grab the thumb, right? You're not allowed to grab the thumb. It's like the digit. digit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I'm talking about the thumb the as in thumb. if you gave someone a bro handshake, that's kind of how you're going to hold their hold their hand, yeah. right? So you're you're actually grabbing the 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 palm part of mm. the the thumb. Yeah, the meat, right? the meat of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and just um, just for those that um maybe are unfamiliar or having a brain fart in terms of a hitchhiker escape, a hitchhiker escape is if you're in a fully extended armbar, you rotate your thumb up as though you're Hitchhiking. You know, hitchhiking. That's hence hence the name. And you almost do like a Homer Simpson like whoop whoop run. Whoop, 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 yeah. Whoop, whoop. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you like walk around and you end up going from belly up to belly down. Yeah. 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 It it is effective. It needs to be done very quickly and you need to be prepared to tap halfway if yeah. if they catch that's it. That's right. Yeah, because you can get halfway through a hitchhiker escape and they and they like clamp down on your mm -hmm. your the meaty part of your thumb, and they take so you your over the wrist other side. no longer rotates. Yeah, and they understand that like, or even if your wrist rotates, they understand that okay, well now I'm no longer pulling their arm down; mm -hmm. I'm pulling their arm to the right because yes. that's the way the elbow doesn't bend. Yeah, and you, yeah, you can get caught out halfway through. So it's a great escape, but it relies on either your opponent not having control of your thumb or not knowing that that's you mm -hmm. know not knowing how the mechanics of and elbow works, right? Because again, it's one of those things that the more you know about jujitsu, we take for granted that of course it doesn't bend that way. Of course it does bend that way. Mm. But you forget that people don't know this mm. intuitively. You know, maybe if they come from, 
you know, uh, some type of medical or physio background or a per, even a personal trainer, right? They might have a bit more understanding. But the average yeah. person doesn't really understand yeah. which way it bends, you know? And in depending on the orientation of, of you know, your thumb. And, and I mean, I mean, everyone knows that their fucking elbow doesn't hyperextend the, the wrong way. But what, what we're trying to say is in the heat of the moment, applied technique isn't intuitive as you would think it is. Yeah. Yeah, you understand mechanics because you are a human and you have those mechanics. But when you're, you know, trying to manipulate those mechanics of someone else to your advantage, it isn't as intuitive as it would be to someone that's been training for a while. That's right. Mm. On to the next one. Arm bars is pretty pretty obvious. Uh, number four is the, like, well, two techniques, essentially just Kimuras and Americanas, right? Uh, again, first submission I ever learned, Americana. <laughs> yeah, strong man move. Oh, no, yeah. no, they're, they're fine, fine submission. Hey, in my first comp, I got like four Americanas. Yeah, look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're fine. Like, um, Americanas get written off all the time because, yeah, look, you don't, people go, oh, they're a big strong man move. Oh, you don't see them at, you know, the world's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but yeah, but bro, you ain't at the world's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. But, it's also because sometimes you teach a technique or you learn a technique and it's the, you know, it's learning the technique. How do I explain this? You learn it so you never have to do it kind of thing. So let's say Americanas, if no, if all of a sudden you could click your fingers and everyone forgot they existed, you could start hitting them. Right, because people would be putting their arms in places that you know, but because people know Americanas exist, mm. right? They're to some degree quite easy to defend. But so you have to learn it so you know how to defend it. But then it's the the act of defending an Americana, for example, like the obvious one is an Americana from Mount. You go for it, they defend it, you arm by them, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's it's. The it's opposite that sort, yeah, the, the other arm, yeah. Or even take their back. Uh -huh. Right, yeah. So it's the act of learning the technique that almost to some degree makes it irrelevant, you know. Mm. Sometimes you teach a technique or you learn a technique and you're like, okay, we're doing this, but this only works if your opponent makes this stupid mistake, right? Mm. They're never going to make this mistake. Why? Because they've learned this technique, you know. So sometimes you need to learn a technique, but really you're learning what not to do. Because yeah. you're never actually going to hit that that armbar. Like let's say, yeah, okay, another classic one that you teach beginners is, oh, okay, I'm mounted on someone and they try push me off. They push on my chest. Yeah, I armbar them. Mm. Do you ever see that really like happen at an elite level? No, because they've learned if you push someone from mount bottom – if you put like try bench press them off, they're going to armbar you, yeah. right? So um, Americana is like for anyone who's riding them off, put it in that category and be less salty about it. Mm. But more importantly, why Americanas and Kimuras are crucial for for beginners to learn is that it's you've probably noticed the theme I'm going along. I'm more I've picked submissions that it's important to understand conceptually and mechanically how they work. And Kimuras and Americanas are a great tool for you to understand the application of torque in jujitsu, right? It's, uh, you know, compared to something like an armbar, you know, or yeah, straight footlock has torque, but it's, you know, quite nuanced if we're looking at a basic straight footlock, you know, uh, or even a triangle, like we're really just applying like very linear leverage, 
you know, whereas a Kimura, an Americana is all about mm. rotation. And I keep making the link between upper body and lower body. If we, if we start applying a heel hook or a toe hold, a lot of, there's a lot of rotation in that, right? So you're starting to understand how to apply torque into a joint, right? Cause we're, Getting the submission is all about taking the that your opponent's body to the breaking point where they give up, you know. And when it's on a limb, it's typically yeah manipulating the joint. Okay, you do have the odd like, well, no, I was going to say you do have like bicep crush or calf crush, but even those they're actually the joint if you understand mechanically how they work. So if we ignore chokes, right? When we're attacking the limbs, it's always the joint and the shoulder is not typically a joint that you lever open to get someone to tap you can there are positions uh there's you know one you can do when you're on top in someone's deep half guard right nicholas marigali does it but um and then if they don't tap trans transitions to a um an inverted triangle on their back okay anyway typically it's a rotation okay so well, it makes sense because if you imagine a an elbow joint you basically have two two sticks connected together and they lever at that joint. Yeah. Whereas a shoulder is a ball and socket. So it has way more range of motion than, than your elbow, obviously. So in order to manipulate a ball and socket, you need to take it to the end range of that ball and socket and then past. That's right. Yeah. 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 Again, not intuitive when you're, you know, coming off the street. Well, if you, if you get someone who doesn't, train jiu-jitsu and you show them a Kimura or Americana, like you don't demonstrate it on them, you just show mm. it to them, they probably think you're attacking the person's elbow, mm. right? Like they probably don't even realize that it's actually the shoulder yeah. that's going there, right? And, you know, it doesn't only translate to, um, to you know, toe holds and heel hooks, but uh, a Kimura is the exact same mechanics as an umna plata, mm. right? which umna plata is a very small jump from a triangle to an umna plata in terms of positionally how you get there, okay? So understanding torque and rotational submissions is very important to add to your tool set. And the plus side is if you're a big strong man like you, you can go into a tournament and get four Americanas. Yeah, and, and some of them I didn't even isolate. So from Mount, right? One of the <laughs> story time <laughs> from Mount. <laughs> Here we go. Let's take a deep dive into Kieran Shithouse Americanas. Yeah, dude. It was <laughs> fucking dog shit. It's on my YouTube. Check it out. Um, so I think this was my first, yeah, my first ever competition. First time on the mats ever um, in, in a competition setting. And I hit this Americana, right? So let me just paint the picture. So um, what, I, what I'd been doing in the gym is a setup where you, you go for a mount, you go for a, a heavy cross face, right? So, you know, that's one thing you told me is just consolidate your position always heavy cross face. So in mount, my my arm was behind their head and I was going for the cross face and then you grab the the Americana grip. So mm. gripping on their wrist. Then you connect the Americana. You're meant to get rid of their head their and head, then take yeah. the, yeah. I didn't even get rid of their head. I yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> fucking cranked it, son. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's it's possible. It's uh, definitely uh, possible. Well, yeah, obviously. obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's dumb as shit house. Well, yeah, like, you know, I always try to teach things that I say to my students, unless I'm teaching a technique where it's like, oh, you're learning this, so you're learning what not to do. Yeah. Uh, like I, I just mentioned, I always try to say to my students, I'm not teaching you something that goes, oh, this will work on a white belt or a blue belt. Mm. Then don't show me. Mm. Like I, I want to know stuff that works. That works, at, yeah. 
on black belts. Mm. Okay, and um, yeah, a, an Americana from mount with the their head. It shouldn't work, and the reason for it is a the shoulders not as isolated from the body because you're keeping the the head and the shoulder inside the same closed circuit, yeah. right? Which is your your key lock Americana grip. Uh, and secondly, it also f- like it stops you from keeping their arm out sort of 90 degrees from their shoulder. So the fact it brings it closer in, the rotation ends up being like up above their shoulder opposed to out to the side of their shoulder. Yeah, the range of motion I had to go through, like it should have happened. Oh, so long. Like I was, you know, face to the mat. Like it it was just excitement. White belt on white belt and I was just fucking cranking. (laughs) I mean, but it can work, right? Like sometimes depending what you're teaching, you often do have to teach something that won't work on a black belt. And what I mean by that is, you know, it won't work on a black belt because when you do, you know, said move, they're going to do this, but then you're going to do this and then you're going to do this. And and then you're, and that's, that's the chess game, but you kind of have to first learn that I'm going to do this. So and then it's you like know okay. their response, right? Yeah, and and it's, it's like you were saying with the armbar, if if you get if I got an Americana on a black belt, they're gonna turn to their side to defend it. Like if, if I had it really tight. But if I know they're gonna turn to their side to defend it, maybe I attack the Americana to then get the armbar or attack the Americana to force them into turning onto their side. They think I'm going for the armbar, but then I take their back. And yeah. that's like, you know, yeah. like three I, steps ahead. I can't even remember the last time I was Americana Day. Like, but yeah, it's because of knowing that it exists and knowing that, Hey, if I don't do this, I will be Americana, mm. you know? Uh, but yeah, anyway, Kimura's Americana and Kimura's right. They're, they're way definitely more way more effective way and more. applicable. Like I said, it's the same rotational talk as an Umna Plata, but then you've got the whole like Kimura trap system and you know, they're, yeah. they're just much more applicable. Oh yeah. Yeah. The last one again, very obvious. And that's your, your rear naked choke. My favorite. Right? Yeah, it's um, rear naked choke is just a, a cookie cutter submission. It's not necessarily offering anything that uh, like a triangle choke doesn't in terms of what forces the person to tap or pass out, but it's just an important choke to understand. You know the the power of being behind someone. Like you know, it's 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 the it's way easier for me to teach you that submission on someone's back than me going like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do an armbar from the back or a triangle yeah. from the back, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to teach you a rear naked choke. So again, you're going to have that opportunity to learn about blocking off the carotid arteries. It's going to give you that, you know, start to put, get your feet wet in the, the idea of, wow, look how powerful it is to be on someone's back, to be behind someone. Mm-hmm. All right, so rear naked chokes are just a classic choke that uh, I, I don't think a lot needs to be said about rear naked chokes. Every every person needs to know it. Every white belt should know a rear naked choke. Most people understand the rear naked choke before they come to jujitsu. Like most, yeah. Any, most people, if someone has ever if, watched MMA, like you, you understand a rear naked choke, sort of. But yeah. then you find the there's a key difference between someone who trains to apply a rear naked choke and someone who saw it on MMA or, or does it wrestling with their, with their brother or their friends or whatever. Yeah, and the key yeah. there, and this is the, one of the biggest like light bulb mind blown moments is cause I've, I've been doing rear naked chokes for years. Like ever since I was a kid wrestling and shit. Cause you know, like I said, everyone sort of conceptually un- understands it yeah. is that 
when people are doing it that aren't trained, they, they almost make like a right angle with their arms. So it's like, you know, arm around the throat, right angle, hand on bicep, and then they close like a yeah. right angle. Whereas when you were trained, that is not the 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 hand position at all, the arm position at all. It's yeah. it's more like um it's a, more a, like more a an v. acute yeah, yeah. V, yeah. an acute angle, right? Yeah. So you're gonna slide your hand behind the head, not that fucking big yeah. arcing fucking bullshit yeah. that I did. <laughs> you know, you slide yeah. it. But I think like you said, it's if someone is interested enough in jujitsu that they've walked in the door, yeah, mm. they would have seen a rear naked choke. Like yeah. yeah, they won't necessarily know how to do it, but mm. you know, it's just such a, a, you know, and it's also such a beginner basic choke that, man, it is just, it is just so fundamentally proven, mm. you know, like it's, it works at every single belt at every of the, the top 1% most elite grapplers in the world, rear naked chokes still work. Right, like the, I don't think you can fault them. Mm. You know, there's, I mean, well, every position has its pros and cons, but some you could argue that some submissions get like slightly more difficult to to apply on higher belts or whatever. Like, but rear naked chokes are just they're almost faultless. They're just mm. such such a good choke. If you, if a white belt had a sunken in rear naked choke <laughs> on a black belt, I see where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> would they be able to finish it, Adam? Yeah. So. Like yeah, what Kieran's alluding to is uh, um, trying to drive traffic to his YouTube channel. That no, we did. Kieran and I did a little video about like what it takes to to tap a black belt, and you were still a white belt at the mm. time, right? Like a four stripe white belt or whatever. And um, it pretty much we did some like silly stuff where mm. I had my my hands tied to my feet and yeah. stuff. It was it was quite fun, but um, it more or less got to you not just starting on my back, but starting on my back in a rear naked choke yeah. and man, like you don't have to know a lot about how to do a rear naked choke for that to be unescapable, mm. even, even as a black belt. I, and I watched, you know, maybe a month ago, I don't know, just one of those random videos that came up on my YouTube or something. And it was Frank Mir talking about escaping rear naked chokes. And if you don't know who Frank Mir is, very successful um, jujitsu black belt, but more, you know, more famously known for being a UFC heavyweight world champion back in the early, uh, not super early as in Ken Shamrock days. It was kind of like- uh, He was around when like- GSP Rick, sort of- GSP era, and yeah. Andy, uh, BJ Penn was big. Yeah, and, Anderson um, Silva's early days, like around 2017? Randy Couture was still- 2017? I don't know, whatever. Nah. Maybe before, earlier. Nah, yeah. way before that, bro. Like, I don't know, like 2014, like didn't he? Something trying to like, I'm, I'm trying to like, uh, anyway, fuck it. Anyway. Yeah. He's, um, he's a beast and yeah, he was talking about it and he was like, Oh, at this point you'll do this, this point you'll do this. And yeah. And someone asked him like, and what do you do when it's essentially like fully locked in? He's like, man, like, like what can you, you, you go do to sleep? Yeah. That's what like, you do. Like, you know, if, if it's fully locked in as in your chin's not tucked or yeah. like, you know, it's not across your face at all. It's, like, dude, Straight under the neck and you, it's locked in. Yeah, you're done. You know, yeah, you're going to reach back and try to peel. For those who don't know, when a re the, the theory of defending a rear naked choke when it's locked in is that you don't actually 
pull on the, the arm that's around your neck because that arm that's around your neck reinforced. is reinforced yeah. and locked in place by the other arm that's behind your head. Yeah. So the theory is that you pry that arm off behind your head so that like undoes the, the padlock, if you will, yeah. and then you can pull the arm off from around your neck. But anyone listening has trained – well, everyone listening pretty much – I would argue, has trained jiu-jitsu, you know it's not as simple as that. Mm. If it's done correctly, that hand behind the head is protected by your face face and your chin. And even if it's not, you know, it's hard for you to pry that off while you're still getting choked. And then even if you can pry it off, uh, you can do one-armed rear naked chokes, you know, so it's not as simple as that, right? So it's just a fundamental choke that works at all levels and everyone needs to know it. I think what I'm sort of from a self-defense perspective, and this was actually in a uh, MMA MMA fight recently. It was in the UFC where a chick had a deep rear naked choke on another chick and she reached back and like tried to eye gouge intentionally. Oh really? Yeah. It was so bad. Like, you know, there was uproar in the community. I'm not sure what penalties she received. If someone knows, let me know. Uh, But yeah, it was, Really, really bad. So I'm just thinking in a self-defense situation, if you had a rear naked choke on someone and they reach back and they go for your eyes, I think the only way you could really defend that is to really fucking bury your face. So bury when your face yeah. and, and brunt it for five seconds yeah, and then they're like, going to pass out. Yeah, like drive your your face into your hand. So when you're when you're using your face to protect that that reinforcing arm and that reinforcing hand, if you just drive that in so you only have maybe your forehead or like part of your face, it would be hard for them to, to really yeah, get, I your, mean it's, get your you eye. Know, in, unless they had a weapon on them, mm. like unless they had a knife mm. in their hand, you know, whatever damage they can do, you're just going to cop it and they'll pass out. Yeah. You know, yeah, if they had a knife, they could, you know, stab you in the leg or something while Mm. you're choking them. But even then I'd keep choking. (laughs) Well, you would, Mm. (laughs) but you know, like you're just going to brunt whatever it is. You know, Mm. look, if someone had a knife, I'm not going to want to go anywhere near with them. How long would it, if someone had a really deep rear naked choke and they were strong, like how long to pass out? Yeah. How long? Oh man. Four to six seconds. Yeah. I was thinking 10 max. Oh, bro, 10 seconds, like it's got to not be on properly. Yeah. Like, or or like it could be on properly, but I'm squeezing on Brock Lesnar's neck and, you know, it's taken a little longer because he's just like trying to pull down that arm from around his neck. So if if they couldn't use their their hands for whatever reason, um, or they were using them completely ineffectively, you had a deep rear naked choke. Because you're cutting off the blood. Five, six seconds. Yeah, you're pretty quick, eh? Yeah, not pretty fucking powerful. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, look at look at the little video we did, and mm. we started the roll in it. Yeah, I reckon maybe one and a half seconds, and I tapped. Yeah, not because I was like a millisecond from going out, but it was just like it was so deep, so yep. tight. Like, this is not happening. I mean, maybe I could have held out for one more second. Mm. That's kind of like starting with your arm already hyperextended in number. Like that's the equivalent in a kind term. of, yeah, yeah, it is. Like the, the difference being is that, you know, in a fully extended arm bar, it's easy, easier to escape mm. than a, a locked in rear naked choke because A, if things go wrong, like you don't pass out. Mm. Right? I'm not saying getting your arm broken is a good thing, but, but you I can mean, keep fighting. You could hypothetically keep fighting. Very mm. famous, Jacare versus Hodge Gracie. Mm. Uh, but also, like, because it's not, uh, isolated part of your body. What I mean by that is, you know, the your neck or your two carotid arteries that run through the sides of your neck, 
It doesn't matter what your shoulders doing, what your hips are doing, what anything else is doing. It doesn't affect like what's happening with your carotid arteries. Whereas if I'm in a fully extended arm bar, but I rotate my hips, that'll rotate my shoulder a bit and that can hopefully rotate my elbow and yeah. then my thumb. And then, you know, so you have on paper more ability to manipulate your own joint that mm. is being attacked. Whereas you don't with your carotid arteries. Yeah. Like, I mean, short of shrugging your shoulders and tucking your chin, there's yeah. no way that you can move your carotid artery. And if you do tuck your chin and they catch the choke around your chin and they keep squeezing and you're like, oh, this guy's squeezing my jaw. Well, move your fucking jaw, bro. Yeah, bro. I hate that, eh? It's like putting your face in the way of the choke. Like, yeah, yeah. it might buy you some time, but if they squeeze across it, that's your own problem. And I, I it's don't like, def have any it's like defending an uppercut with your face. Yeah. It's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Like, I used to have a real problem with like, oh, you know, I'm not going to squeeze. And then you, it took, you know, you saying it like 50 times and they're like, nah, fuck it. So if I catch a rear naked choke around someone's face, so long as it's below the eyebrow. <laughs> oh, Rudd, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll give him a little bit of time. Like in a comp, I wouldn't, but in the gym, I'm going to, I'm going to slowly apply the oh, squeeze yeah, I'm not to be like, essentially it. me saying, lift your chin, lift your chin, yep. you know. And then, and then if I'm like full squeeze and they still haven't lifted, I'm just, just going to keep on going. Yeah, that's right. my arms gas. Yeah. <laughs> so like five seconds. Ooh. They're pretty big, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So. Just to, to summarize, the five submissions you all need to know regardless of your belt, but uh, if you're a white belt wondering what submissions, you should, you should learn. Your straight foot lock, so you can start understanding the legs a little bit. Your triangle, uh, so you understand the mechanics of a triangle and what it means to choke someone with your legs. Your arm bar, so you understand leverage and joint orientation. Kimuras slash Americanos, so you understand the application of torque. And rear naked choke, because I said so. You've just, you've, <laughs> you've just got to know a rear naked choke. What you'll notice as well about all these submissions except the rear naked choke, because it's you know, very specific to being on someone's back, your straight footlock, triangle, armbar, kimura, uh, they can all be done whether you're on the top or on the bottom, mm. right? So you, know, you, could also, you could almost double them. You know, you're getting eight submissions, if you will, every single one of those submissions you can apply from the top or from the bottom, right? Sometimes people go, oh, I need a submission from closed guard or like I need one from mount. Well, you know, a uh, triangle I can do from closed guard and mount. Same with armbar, same with Kimura, you know, like all three of those submissions work closed guard and mount. All three of those submissions work closed guard and side control, right? So, you know, you, you're getting a lot more than just five submissions. Absolutely. And if you want to get into the, the detailed nuances of locks versus chokes, we've covered that on episode number 42. So for those that- How want, did you know that off the top? You, you pre-read oh, pre that. Yeah, it's right there. Hashtag 042, chokes versus locks. Yeah, let me just bring that up on my laptop. Adam doesn't have a laptop. I forgot my laptop. Yeah, so if, if you do want a bit more of your, if you want to satisfy more of your Beyond Jiu-Jitsu itch, then check out episode number 42, chokes, chokes versus locks, not chokes, chokes versus locks or chokes. Or if you've just got an itch, there's a good chance it's ring limb, So Yeah, <laughs> yeah saw that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think regardless of your belt, you can improve those five submissions and positions a lot. Uh, going back to the first one, straight foot locks, I love them. Turn it into an Aoki lock. 
you don't know what that is. Google it's it. It's pretty much a heel hook, but disguised as a straight foot lock. It's cool. epic. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can learn a lot there, guys. If you want some more, we've got our Instagram at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast. We have our Patreon page. And if you skipped over the first part of the episode, but now you're here at the end, you can win yourself the new Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast rash guard. The details of how to enter, they'll be on the, uh, our Instagram page. But what you need to do is follow us on Instagram and leave us a review on your listening platform of choice. If that's too much effort, just buy one. Until next time. See ya.